Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Ken. I'm joining me in studio as always. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. I know some people were asking me online about it, uh, and I'd hold it off for the show, but let's not leave it in doubt. The instant Eli Manning joined Twitter, I blocked him. That was a poll that was going around Twitter. We haven't been able to answer because we were a little bit of Twitter jail this uh, week, but fear not, we're back and going hard on the social media. You can find us at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter and Instagram and all social media links, OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Joining the conversation with the hashtag ODPH. That was one question, I have to admit, Pad, I was asked on the DMs. Oh, I'm sure, and, and let's not get it twisted. I, fig- I heard that Eli Manning joined Twitter. I probably found him on Twitter and then blocked him. Uh, Had to be done. The Patriot hate in you is strong. Yep. But we have a lot more to discuss in the land of sports. In fact, we're going to kick off the show this week talking about some breaking news coming from the land of the National Hockey League, otherwise known as the NHL. A. Yes. So they have just announced their plan to resume the season per se. Hopefully. Yes. So, Pad, you want to break it down for us? Yeah. So, uh, according to an e- uh, article on ESPN.com, uh, which reads, "quote The NHL announced Tuesday it will abandon the rest of its r- of the regular season and go straight into the playoffs with 24 teams instead of 16 if it is able to resume play." Uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman said the decision is not a guarantee that games are coming back. The NHL and the NHL Players Association must still figure out health and safety protocols and solve other issues, including where to play. Uh, Still ironing out a format represents significant progress since global sports were basically shut down in March as the coronavirus outbreak turned into a pandemic. Bettman has said that the goal has always been to play again and award the Stanley Cup, but details remain uncertain and there is no announced timetable of any kind. So at least it's not a guarantee they're coming back, but they're saying, hey, we know you want to see sports. We want to see sports. Here's what we're going to plan on doing if we're able to make this work. I have to fully applaud this. So the regular season is done. Uh-huh. So we just want to make sure that is very clear. They are going to expand the playoffs seedings for teams. So uh-huh. the four top teams in each conference have a bye. Or we play a, a different – they would take on the winners of the seeding round. So Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philly in the east. Okay. And St. Louis, Dallas, Las Vegas, and Colorado in the west. They would face the winners – respectively, of the remaining 16 teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Okay. And how it is set up by the same article is you'd have number 5 Pittsburgh taking on number 12 Montreal. Okay. Number 6 Carolina taking on number 11 and future Stanley Cup champion New York Rangers. Hey, they made it in. We got in. That's all we need. We just need that chance. Number 7, the New York Islanders would face Florida, the 10th seed. Toronto, the 8th seed, would take on number 9 Columbus. Okay. And then you flip it to the West, number five seed Edmonton would take on Chicago, okay. the 12th seed. Nashville would be the sixth seed. They would take on Arizona as the 11th seed. Vancouver would be the seventh seed. They would take on Minnesota as the 10th. And the Calgary Flames would be the eighth seed to take on the number ninth seed Winnipeg Jets. Mm. Now, the one thing that is a little tricky about this is no matter what the ranking is for the seeding. So, like, let's say you have a 12-5 upset. Sure. They wouldn't reshuffle who they would be facing. Okay. So, it, it would be the lowest seed would face the top seed, and they would break it down, you know, from there. Kind of like gotcha. what they do with, with, the, with the NBA. Or, um, NCAA. Thank you. 
that is where they were leaning with that. So okay. So you wouldn't have a lot of juggling around. Like it wouldn't be like restructured. Like I, for a better example, how the NFL does. I it. was just gonna say like the NFL, like oh, if so and so beats such and such, then they go play this this team. Correct. But if it's the other way, then we flip it around. Okay. Now that's a lot more easier to figure out. Yeah, this would be a lot more straightforward, and I I fully applaud this. Don't get me wrong, love the NFL playoffs, but that whole flipping the seeds and flipping who plays who is confusing as fuck sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So. They are still trying to lock down places where they're going to go play this. I know Vegas has been the long-standing sure. number one rumored. Everywhere else is kind of thrown up in the air. So it, it depends if they're going to try doing some in Canada, if they're going to try doing some in the U.S. They really have not said, though. like I said, there is a lot of rumored places where they're thinking about playing. But to get everybody back involved in sports, Pad, I guess what is the biggest reaction to this? Uh, good to see they came, they came out with a plan, and hopefully it works out for them. The only concern to me is, as you were telling me, uh, training camps, I guess, or what they're calling them for this restart, wouldn't start at the earliest until July 1st. The only thing that concerns me is that is colossally fucking with next season. And and I know this is a concern with the where the NBA is concerned because the NBA would like to come back, and do they come back and play an abbreviated remainder of the schedule, or do they just go into playoffs? Because just the way it's looking now where, you know, flipping back to hockey, okay, Training camp isn't going to start until July 1st at the earliest. You're looking at the middle end of July before you even start the darn thing. And now you look at a hot, you know, hockey plus, which are already take. I feel I, I don't know how long exactly, but it feels like a month, month and a half, mm. give or take. That's now going to at least double in size because you've made the playoffs all the all the bigger. And then the other thing of it is, is God forbid an NHL playoff series doesn't go seven games. Well, I think then one thing they didn't specify in this article, but I would have to imagine is instead of having seven-game series, it would be knocked down to five. Yeah. They would try moving this as quick as possible. They'd have to do that, and then I would also say they'd have to take from the NBA where in the in the NBA playoffs, you know, you have one matchup. Let's just say it's Indiana and Boston or mm-hmm. something. that they're in, they're in game five or game six or whatever it is. And meanwhile, on the opposite side, you know, the other matchup you got in that conference, let's just say it's Milwaukee and Philly. Yeah. That, oh, hey. You know, you got this other matchup in the NBA playoffs that it's over, and they're, they're these two teams are going to play each other in the next round. We're not, we don't have to wait for this other team to this other matchup to get going. We can just move on. Yeah, it's something they're going to kind of have to play around with. But like you, you touched upon, for the NHL to really get going on this too, and looking at the lower seedings, they are going to be best of five. Sure. So that, that will help speed along the process, and especially too starting as you were touching upon too with starting a late season and then is going to tie in everything else with what's going on. Mm-hmm. They would have to push back the start of next season for the regular NHL season start. Yeah. I would imagine we'd be looking around December time. I mean, even, even if they just do a quick turnaround, depending on how long this goes. I mean, that's that's the only thing I just, you know, because we don't they, we don't have a schedule. We don't have anything like, oh, it's going to start on this date. And, you know, with the schedule comes out, oh, it's going to end by at least this date. If the, the date, they might have to talk with the Players Association, but... If they if they agree on a date like okay we'll start the playoffs on this date and they figure it out from there, and if the date lines up close enough that let's just say it's a month, you know before when they would start the regular season. Let's face it, give them a month off, they'll still be in game shape, they'll still be ready to go. Do you really need preseason after you just finished the season? 
Arguably, no. I mean, for the teams that are not going to be involved in this, you might have to say yes, but they would probably be starting their camps earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Like, the folks that aren't going to be in this, like the Ottawas, the Jerseys, the uh, Detroits. Buffaloes. Buffaloes. You know, give them the least. Like, okay, we're going to be doing our stuff at this day. You guys just start your training camps and all that at a normal time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if they wanted to do something like that, I'd have no problem with. But just the fact that we're getting a structured setup of – uh, an organization that wants to come back, and the players obviously want to come back because I believe this was almost a unanimous vote mm. for the players' union to say, let's do this. I think this is a very good sign for sports. Yeah, and, and just thinking with those other teams, if they decide to flip the coin real quick and just start the season off regular, just have like maybe a month off or something, you've got those, what what'd you say, four teams mm-hmm. not in the playoffs. you got four teams from each conference, so you got eight teams. That's more than enough teams for, you know, uh, preseason matchups to play each other. Yeah, they can definitely get the ball started too. And like you touched upon, they're going to be in, the rest of the league is going to be in game shape. So yeah. how much time do you really need off to get back in yeah. camp? I mean, for if you're having your rookie class come in, that's another story. But yeah. I'm sure under the rules of what's going on with respect to the league and respect to the social status that we are in with COVID 19, I think the NHL would be more than willing to work around this sure. and make something happen. Sure, but just the fact that we're getting playoffs. We're going to have a finish to the season. Yeah, this has to be applauded. I I am fully on board with this. It's just going to be really weird to see hockey in August. It is. Like, I'm going to be sitting in my house, 95 degrees, sweating my butt off, and, oh, hey, there's guys on the ice. But it is, but it also is going to be the sense of usually playoff hockey does go into summertime from the usual. But, like, June. But June, yeah, but not not August. August. Right, but you figure this. You you just have to envision this setup, Pat. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to have it start roughly in June, July, like depending on how long they do the training sure, camps. I, sure. I believe they said the max was going to be three weeks. Okay. They're going to start playoffs. They're going to be playing hockey every night of the week. Mm-hmm. And you figure this. By the time that season gets done, we're going to be rolling right into the NFL. Oh, so you're, you're going to be looking at at least 10, 11 months straight of hockey. Yes, and it is glorious. Let me tell you. I know we don't talk a lot of hockey on this show because, frankly, I would just go completely bananas talking New York Rangers hockey. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, so nobody wants to hear that for an hour. Maybe if we do Patreon and we have enough people ask, hmm. I will do a weekly New York Rangers hockey one because that's the one I get more amped up about, and I I don't keep it as uh, journalistically opinionated as I usually do on this show, uh. if I can say that. No, because that one I just as Rangers are nothing for me. So, but just even though if the Rangers weren't in this, I'd still be excited to see hockey back. Sure, that we finally are having a league that is willing to come back. And you have to face it; they are going to lose money from not finishing the regular season out. Oh yeah, but I'm not saying everybody's happy about this. But no. I think you have to say for the integrity of the league, we're all going to take one, take the L, and keep it moving and try yeah. making the best of a bad situation. This has to be applauded. And usually I don't applaud anything Bettman does. I'm not exactly a big fan of him personally. Say, uh, probably the most hated commissioner in all four of the major sports. It is quite debatable. I, I will say this. It's up there. Yeah, our, our, our current baseball one is not exactly winning me over with how he's handled the uh, you know, asterisk skate. Uh, we'll just put it mildly like that. But, yeah, Bettman is not one that I am a big fan of. But the fact he got this done, the owners are on board, and the players' union – like I say, more or less agreed with this if I read the article correctly. Well, that's, that just goes back to the mentality of hockey players. It's like missing a limb. That's all right. Just, you know, put some gauze pad over it. I'm going to go back out there. Yeah. Like the middle of a pandemic, yeah, we'll still go. They still will. And, I mean, I think for them to finish out the season, it shows 
hockey does have this rich tradition of history and, and wanting to play the game on the ice and, and not yeah. have anybody just win the win. And, and obviously for everybody to just be on the same page and there's little stuff they still have to figure out the safety, sure, sure. And, you know, safety and health protocols for where they're going to play and, you know, minor other details with that. But if you have to see how the blueprint has been laid down by the UFC, things I was not imagining, I would say in 2020, yeah, the UFC has set that blueprint of how to run a sporting event. The NHL, I'm sure is going to borrow heavily from that. I'll I, say how to run a sporting event on a slightly smaller scale. Yes. But still, they're going to get it done, and this could be a gateway. I'm not saying that I'm fully saying sports are back. Right. I, I can't say that with full confidence, even though I would love to. But it's a step in the right direction, and the fact that we have a structured idea of what we're going to do back to get to – I'm trying not to say the new normal, right? but get back to basics. I'll say because there's nothing normal about playing NHL hockey in August. Right. Yeah, that I, I'm not saying is going to be the the basics, you know, back to what what have you. But it just feels like, okay, we're taking a step back in the right direction. And you know it's even kind of wilder, too, on NHL.com. They actually have their blueprint, what they've mailed out, talking to other teams mm-hmm. about a 22-page document, if I'm looking at this correctly. Yeah, that looks like a, that's a PDF. Wow. Yep, yep, they're explaining everything about their phases, travels. So at least we'll say well, at least they're more open about it than UFC was. Yeah, I will say this. I have to applaud this. Now. This is crazy. Like I'm just skimming we'll say over. So UFC, this. we have we have plans. Trust us. You can't read them, but we got them. But the NHL, I think this is proving that they're ready to get back in business. I'm fully on board with this. Yeah. And you know what? If we have a big, if you think about this, for as bad as the beginning of this year has been, and let's face it, it sucked. Mm-hmm. The back half of this year you have to think is going to be the craziest year of sports in history. We'll say forever, you know, for the folks who might have been doubting it and saying, I'll just cancel the cancel the year, see you in 2021, eh, you might want to hold off on that. Yeah, this is a, a completely applaudable move. And you have to figure if they're doing this, so is the NBA has to, uh, coming back too. And they yeah. have talked a little bit about some recent news about going to Disney. Yeah, I was saying nobody's won the title yet, but they're already talking about going to Disney. Yeah, this is kind of a little wild idea, but they are taking uh, preemptive talks about going sure. to Disneyland since that's shut down. Sure, that's shut down, and they've got the wide world of sports complex down there that I know the Atlanta Braves train at uh, every spring training. Mm-hmm. So if they can figure out a way to get this happening with their players, and for everything that I've read, they have said that they are really looking at that idea mm-hmm. of finishing the season out down there. I know that the players are very vocal that they want to come back. Right. Well, and I know the the one I saw today was uh, Damian Lillard said that he won't play if there's no chance for a playoffs. Well, I think if they get back to the season, they're just going to copy what the NHL yeah. is going to do. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, because they were already uh, – they were almost essentially done yeah. as it was. There wasn't much left for them to play. Maybe, what, two weeks, three weeks? Something like that, yeah. But it was enough that seeding – I think in le- except for the West was, sure. was finalized. Sure, sure. But you have to figure, okay, if the West is all done, the East, I think, was already a wrap. Like, their teams were already set in. They're going to want to get back. And if they say, we have a chance to finish out the season, do this for the fans, the players I know have had multiple talks and it's been leaked out all over the place. Uh They want to come back for the fans. You have to really applaud that they're willing to come back and they're willing to say, okay, we're going to lose games, we're going to lose game checks, but still we want to do something for the fans. Right. I have to be fully on board with this, and especially that that complex you're talking about, the wild world, wide, wide world, world of sports. Yeah, complex can house multiple games. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, it's, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's not just one arena. No, it's what is it? It's like a campus, right? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, you got enough facilities in the area 
between colleges, universities, and even you've got where the Florida Panthers play, the Tampa Bay Lightning play, you know, and even even some of the minor league complexes down there, you've got en- enough down there that you can make it work. Yeah, it's, it's it's basically like a big basketball camp. Yeah. So if they can make that work down there, keep all the players isolated, healthy, keep everybody involved healthy, because that's what matters most of all. Don't get it twisted. I do want to see sports back, but I want to see people safe and healthy. Yeah that are going to be playing, that are going to be there in attendance, doing whatever, if they're going to be announcing, refereeing, what have you at those arenas that they're going to be doing. That's first and foremost. I mean, if they're not going to be healthy and, and safe, I don't care. I don't want to see games. But if they're going to be there, they're following the guidelines that are set to pr- be performing at said place, mm-hmm. bring it on. Yeah. And if Disney is going to shut down and have the entire NBA playoffs – in one location, sure. Bring it on. I and I think the thing uh, these sports should do is they should take a page out of uh, the Tiger Woods Phil Mickelson Challenge Tournament, whatever the hell that thing was over the weekend, and also from Major League Baseball when they were having spring training, mic up some of the players because because just that having like because I watched a little bit of uh, Tiger versus Phil and with uh, Brady and Peyton. It was it was great to hear kind of like the trash talking and the one liners back and forth to each other, just like on the flight. It because it, it, it made it fun. It did it didn't make it seem so serious and so oh we're playing for bragging rights and it, it was fun and that was the same thing for when Major League Baseball mic'd up some of their players in spring training. It was fun. It was great. And, it, and you know with the thing I think we can safely assume with all of these sports if they come back is there won't be any fans in attendance. It's going to be really weird if we're just having like you know. LeBron James and his teammates on the Lakers run up and down the court, and you're just going to hear guys grunting and yelling. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be, it'll be nice. It'll be fun if like you got a guy on the bench who ain't playing, kind of like Dirk uh, Dirk Nowitzki did a couple of years ago, where there was a game he wasn't playing or yeah. whatever, and he was in street clothes, and they mic'd him up on a uh, courtside, and they had him on for the game. Do something like that. It'll make it fun for people. And that's what you want because sports are going to be the great escape, and it yeah. always has been. For whatever is going on, if you are considered a sports fan, you often turn to games to escape from your everyday problems, your yeah. everyday struggles, whatever the case is. It's a break in your daily routine to get some enjoyment. And that is what sports is so important to people about. Yeah. Like, it's not just something to do. It's something for an escape. It's something for breaking up the monotony of everything that's going on. That's why it's so important to get these leagues back up and running, but to do it safely. That's the biggest thing, and that's uh-huh. the take-home from this segment, is the NBA and the NHL are in pre-plans to get back in business, but also to finish out a season, and then whatever's going to happen for their next seasons, uh-huh. that's anybody's guess. But right now, it's to finish out what they started. And let us face it, you have all these players that are rested, that just need a little training camp. We're not talking... Yeah, not much. How bananas... Is this season going to be to finish out the playoffs where you have a fully rested LeBron? Oh, yeah. Fully rested Anthony Davis. Hey. Fully rested Kawhi and the Clippers. And you have the rest of your playoff teams that have been doing working out, I'm sure, but they don't have the daily grind of a schedule to go in. Yeah. Can you imagine if the Golden State was at full full capacity for players? Oh, my God. A, a fully rested Curry, a fully rested Clay Thompson. Fully rested Draymond. Holy crap. Yeah, you would have the the greatest playoffs in history. I, I would think, as critical as I am about the, the league and how it's not 90s basketball, 
This season of you got an opportunity. You have an opportunity to set some really, really magical moments on on the court, and that's the the one upside about all this because we haven't had a season since March. Everything is right. shut down, so now we're, it looks like we're going to have a return in two of the four big major sports in America. Mm-hmm. So we have to specify specify this. The NFL, it looks like it's business is stat quo. Yeah. So that one, there really isn't a lot of news going on, except they're, they're planning on running it as normal per any health gu- guidelines that happen between now and the start of the season. So right. we're, are they going to have full stadiums? I'm sure not. But you never know. I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no at this time. But they're following everything that's going along to get where they need to be. The only league that I, I got a real issue with is baseball right now. Yeah, they're a little messy. Would you like to break that down? Uh, we don't have the time for that. It, it's messy. It's The Players Association is fighting with the owners about pay and pay scale. And there was a there was an article that came out today, again, from ESPN, uh, where Major League Baseball has proposed uh, pay cuts for the highest players. It's kind of like a sliding scale. Uh, the highest uh, – you, you cut some of the salaries for the highest play, paid players in uh, baseball where some of the lower paid players wouldn't take as big of a cut, you know, to, to help the shares, you know, but the thing of it is, you know, some of the players are kind of like not on board with this. They want to get paid their full amount. I, as much as I want to see baseball, I don't think it's going to happen just because there's so much fighting between the two sides. Millionaires fighting millionaires. Pretty much. You have literally lost me in that conversation. I'm sorry. I, I understand Players want to get their full max amount, but you have to realize the world we live in currently. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, and you can save this tape for record. If baseball does not play this year because players are arguing about money, and we're talking millions, we're not talking the lowest paid players on a team. We're talking the high paid ones. Yeah, the, the Harpers, the Trouts, and what have you. Yes, if that pay scale of players holds up bringing baseball back. We already have this on top of rumored minor league baseball cuts and uh, dissolving of teams. Mm -hmm. Baseball is done. Yeah. I'm sorry. Baseball will go from whatever popularity rank you have it at currently right now. Depends on who you talk to. And that's why I say it depends who it is. Because in my opinion, in North America – Football is the number one king. Oh, God, it yeah. is America's pastime. Oh God, yeah. oh, God, yeah. There's no question. It has surpassed baseball. I'll say Sunday Night Football was like the highest rated show on television for like the 10th year running or something absurd like that. Exactly. The NFL is a whole different beast onto itself. NFL is number one. You can go back and forth depending on who you talk to, Pad, yeah, well, about yeah. where baseball ranks. But I will say this. If they cancel this season because they're arguing about money, yeah, it's a wrap. Oh yeah, they're done. They were lucky they came back when they had the strike a couple years ago, right, well, decades ago, a couple decades, yeah, right. But they still have not came back to full glory because what 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 brought them back? The home run chase, yeah, with McGuire and Sosa, and now uh, that's, ESPN thirty for thirty coming soon, exactly, and that's now been tainted because of the whole steroid scandal, oh, and yeah. depending on what your feelings are about that. So baseball is now coming off a controversial playoffs of the Houston Astros mm-hmm. and the history of that where they got a slap on the wrist. Oh, yeah. They're dissolving minor league baseball, yep. consolidating, whatever you want to define it as, and now they're arguing millions to millions about yeah. about paychecks, realizing that we are in a pandemic oh, yeah. with an extremely bad unemployment rate. Oh, yeah. 
and you're going to argue about your millions, yeah, fuck out of here. I'm sorry. It'll be a wrap. So I'm hoping somebody has a cooler sense and gets everybody on the same page because if they don't, I hope baseball takes wind of what the NHL is doing, the NBA is doing, and the NFL because, you know what, they're going to be ones outside looking in. Well, so they need, they need, I realize the players want to get their money, and I, I, I get that. You know, don't understand it because I'm, I'm never going to see those amount of dollars in my lifetime. But I get it. You know, you you do what you what you want, you love to do. You want to get paid to do it. I understand that. But given the current situation, the current you know environment, it's just not feasible. You take take the L, save face, take the cut, play the season, and you won't look great for a couple of months, maybe a year, a couple of years. But looking back in future, people will look better on you because eventually that'll go away. Eventually that won't be the forefront discussion when they talk about the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic and baseball coming back. They'll just say, hey, the players came together and they, and they played. They won't, they, for, after a long time, maybe a couple decades, it won't be that. They, oh, yeah, they just came back. It won't be, oh, the players were greedy bastards and they wanted their millions and this and that. No. Take the L, save some face. It'll it'll take you a while, but play the season. Exactly, because they don't. It's a wrap. Yeah. They're done. They're done. But to applaud the other three organizations right now, especially the NHL, because I know it is not good to cancel a season, but they're no. willing to do this. They're trying to to be as fair as possible to the teams in the league. And as a fan of that league, I have to say I love what they're doing. What the NBA is doing, I love that the fact that they're, they're going to basically do the follow that blueprint, mm-hmm. go down to Disney, and from July until September, we're going to have every single night the NBA and the NHL. Yeah. Amongst other organizations such as WWE and UFC. Yep. So I am not mad about that. We're making the best of a bad situation. Yeah. Baseball, take notes. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the NHL's plan to return? How about the NBA? You like what they're thinking about going down to Disney? And what is your take on the Major League Baseball situation right now? I would love to have some conversation about that. So let's do it up. Hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Nick. I'm Justin. And I'm Brian. We are the Epic Film Guys. We want to let you know that the fourth annual live stream for The Cure is only a couple weeks away. Every single dollar raised goes to the Cancer Research Institute to help us fight for a future immune to cancer. And once again, donations will be doubled. Join us May 27th through the 31st for 48 hours of content from creators around the world. Please help us spread the word so we can smash our goal of $10,000. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com to make an early donation and to learn more about the event. Together, we can make a difference. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo!
Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH. And this Saturday night, we have some UFC action. Mm-hmm. Am I mistaken? or like we, we really are having four fights in the month of May. Let's get it on. So it's like DJ Khaled's running things. Another one. Another one. Yes, which I am completely on board with. But this fight card is, is kind of flying under the radar. It's going to be on... ESPN, mm-hmm. regular ESPN, should yep. I, I shall clarify, and ESPN Plus, too, because they run the same thing, on Saturday night, May 30th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and is taking place from the UFC Apex building, oh, Las okay. Vegas, Nevada. So it's Nevada's first combat sport uh, program since COVID happened. I believe so, yeah. I have to think so, too. So this card is kind of flying under the radar a little bit. It's not really, a dare I say, a main sizzle card. No. There are some names on there if you're really into the UFC, but I really just want to focus on the main event, mm-hmm. and this will kind of spin into where I'm going. Your main event is Tyrone Woodley taking on Gilbert Burns, number one versus number six in the welterweight division, Okay, which this has a lot of implications moving forward. So, Pad, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Who you got? Well, I'm looking at the records here. Uh, the challenger, I guess you could say, Gilbert Burns, has got a career record of uh, 18 wins, three losses. He has won his last five fights in a row, uh, beating the likes of Gunnar Nelson and Damian Maya, just to name a few. Flip over to the other side, Tyron Woodley. If you're a fan of the, uh, the sport, you know the man. 19 wins, four losses. Uh, lost his last fight by unanimous decision to Kamaru Usman. Uh, prior to that, he had won three fights in a row, beating the likes of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Damian Maya, Darren Till, also having beaten Robbie Lawler, Kelvin Gastelum, and Carlos Condit, just to name a few. Uh, I'm going to go with Woodley on this one because I, I think he's a man possessed. Uh, I think he wants to prove that Usman loss was a fluke, that he should have won that belt, and he's going to come back for it. I tell you what, I like Burns in this one. Okay. Burns is an up-and-comer that I think a lot of people are sleeping on because he's really started putting his wins together as of late. And the last fight he had against Damian Maya really told a story because they were showing that fight over the weekend mm. on the Facebook page. Maya took him to the ground, and Burns came back to his feet. I'll say, uh, looking at the... That does not happen. Looking at the result here, he did knock out Maya in the first round. Hit him with one of the sweetest left hooks you'll you'll ever see in MMA. Did win the performance of the night bonus. Oh, yeah, because he went to the ground, and usually if you go to the ground with somebody like Damian Maya, you don't come back up. Sure. You you tap. Sure. And I don't care that Maya's 42. He's still Damian Maya on the ground. Mm -hmm. A little bit different than him trying to stand up and box with people. So now Burns has got Woodley. Woodley needs to a really big bounce back performance. I know when you fight Carl Kamaro Usman, mm-hmm. you know bouncing back is not exactly easy. Burns is a tough name, but I think Burns is hunger here. I think he wants to really make a statement win sure. and catapult himself into that top echelon of the division. So that's why I say this one is going to be a very very interesting fight to watch stylistically. Burns can go to the ground if he wants to, which I think trying to get Woodley down, who's known for his wrestling, mm. that's going to be a tough one. I don't think he's going to do it with ease, but I think he eventually gets him to the ground. Sure. And then striking-wise, I hope they keep it standing because they both got hands. Oh, yeah. They can really throw some shots. So, like I say, I like Burns. I'm going to take him with a fourth-round stoppage. Mm. So that's my early prediction for we'll that. Say, pretty evenly matched in terms of styles here because you got uh, Burns who was a second-degree uh, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. On the flip side, Woodley, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, so they're definitely are going to kind of cancel each other out. And like I said, usually if you have a decent jiu-jitsu background, mm-hmm. 
you can keep it on your feet for the most part if you sure. have good wrestling mixed in. I mean, that's why I say there's always five elements to UFC. So now we have to say, okay, after that, where does each fighter go? Mm. And what I'm going to tie this into is on the books as it stands right now, there is only one official UFC card happening after May 30th. Okay. And that is UFC 250, Amanda Nunez versus Felicia Spencer. Mm-hmm. And they are announcing some other fights going on with that as well. Okay. You know, Aljamain Sterling is fighting on the card. Yeah, you got Aljamain Sterling taking on Corey Sandhagen. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Ian Hanish uh, taking on Gerald, Gerald uh, Mearshert, I think is how you say that. Uh, Charles Bird taking on Maki Pitolo. Alex Perez taking on Juicier, Juicier uh, Formiga. And then Alonzo Menafield uh, versus Devin Clark. They just added Sugar Shane O'Malley. Oh, okay. To fight Eddie Wineland. Okay. So that should be a fun one. I know the UFC is skyrocketing on this kid. Mm. So I know they definitely want to see how far they can push him up. So where I'm going with all this is we do have some movement happening in the divisions. And right now, it's I'm not saying we're log jamming everything up. But for the welterweight division, it's a big move because after that 250, UFC 250 card. Mm-hmm. This is allegedly when Fighter Island is going to be up and running. Sure. Now, as far as I can be able to track down, I have not found a location for UFC 250. I would assume it's going to be at the Apex. Right. So that's why I say with a little bit of confidence here, anything after UFC 250 is going to be at Fighter Island. Yeah. There is a lot of fighters this past weekend decided to get on social media and start calling everybody out. Uh, they, they all decided to have an argument and debate about who's the greatest of all time, too. Yes. Notice that. Which, obviously, if you're talking Twitter, if you're talking social media, and you're talking trash talk. It's all good fun. There is one person that usually stirs up that drink. Chael Sonnen. Yes. But this time it was not him. Oh. It was, dare I say, the successor to his throne, the notorious one. Conor McGregor, who is the one who started up the pound-for-pound talk and put himself in the equation, which... Fight more than once every five years, and you can have that conversation. Yeah, at one point, he might have been considered in that talk, but at this stage of the game, no, nope. n- nah, I can't really say. I mean, no. it's pretty much a beep. I'm, I'm not saying Connor's got to go on like an Anderson Silva run, but like you got to fight more often than you have. And plus, you also got ran through by Khabib. Yeah, that's so true. Let, let us not forget, I don't care how you want to put it, Habib ran through him, mm-hmm. and basically Connor was lucky he won a round. Yeah. A round. Yeah. So that being said, he was also talking about the 155 division, but more importantly, he was talking about the 170 division. Mm-hmm. And he decided to throw his name in that pound-for-pound talk and was saying he's willing to come up to 170 and fight Mr. Kamaru Usman, mm. which Usman said, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have the quote in front of me, Mm-hmm. If we can't have the fight with Masvidal, I will gladly welcome him to 170, and he can have a title shot. Wow. So that was going on, and in the background, Nate Diaz jumped in the fray and was calling everybody out. Oh, of course he was. Including John Jones, which I thought was pretty pretty epic. Pretty ballsy. Yes, but it's Nate Diaz. Diaz brothers don't fear anything. It's true. And then he started turning the conversation to one Jorge Masvidal mm-hmm. and was saying... We need to run it back for the BMF title, mm. which Masvidal is one of those fighters you don't exactly say that to and no. think it's going to fall on deaf ears. So you got to you got to have the stones to back it up. Yes, and Masvidal will fight anybody. I am fully convinced of this. 
So you either have Mazival fight Usman, you have him fight Diaz. Mm. Connor wants to get a little piece of the action too. So, Pad, let me ask you this. In this grand scheme of things, if you are matchmaking, how do you do this for Fighter Island? Royal Rumble. Well, we can't do that in the UFC. Or yeah, why not? Have some fun with it. No, we have, we have Odds been. are this, the whole thing won't be sanctioned anyway. Who knows? Well, that, that is true. But if you had to kind of book the card for Fighter Island. So that's why I'm saying the initial yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The initial one, I think you're going to have the welterweight division represented very heavily. Yeah, because I was looking through forward on the Wikipedia pages for the UFC events. We're not looking at least for announced bouts or announced bouts prior to when this all ha- pandemic happened or middle of it, whenever. Uh, there was an announced championship matchup, flyweight championship, for a UFC fight night in uh, the middle of July uh, between Joseph Benavidez and Devison Figueroa. Yep. However you say that. So uh, we're a little lacking in the championship department for the next couple of fights. Right. Because there's, there's some names. You know, there's a couple names that if you go through and you look at some of the announced fights, it's like, oh, hey, I know that person. But in terms of, like, Ooh, matchups, yeah, a little lacking. Well, it is it is lacking, but if the welterweight division is the one that's primed and ready to go, and there is quite a logjam, if you really want to break it down, you have Usman, who should fight Masvidal. Like, that should be a lock and loaded. That, mm. Like, why we're even debating about this, I don't understand. Except they want to get a big money fight involving Conor McGregor. Mm. Because, let's face it, Conor moves the needle. Love him or hate him, he moves the needle. Yeah. He will get you a big buy rate. But if you also want to say, okay, let's do it for division, what's more important? to fight Conor McGregor for no belt mm. or to fight Kamaru Usman for a belt and become a champion, which you've yeah. long sought after. Like, if I'm Masvidal, I take the belt, the fight with Usman. Sure. I eventually go fight Nate Diaz because oh, yeah. we we said this way back when, when they had the BMF match. Oh, yeah. They need to run that fight back. Oh, yeah. But do you put your career on hold to do that for, I don't want to say a fake title, but I don't, I say, I I don't see a, I still a ranking see, here. I still want to see Diaz versus McGregor 3. I agree too. That that's that's a one 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 and one scenario. So you need that third matchup to kind of like, all right, let's settle this once and for all. Yeah, put them on the same card. If you really want to sell out Fighter Island, and you are hell bent in high water about doing this July or in June, because apparently they are. Yeah, well, apparently, because like I say, after two fifty, the slate is wide open. We're hearing about more cards getting added, but we have not heard of a main event yet. Well, and they got to figure out. A- a bantamweight championship matchup at some point in there just because uh, they got vacated the other day. Yeah, they officially vacated Henry Cejudo, which, mm-hmm. okay, um, I'm all right with that. I, Who's I doing number one versus two? According to UFC.com rankings, uh, Marlon Moraes is number one, and Aljermaine Sterling is number two. Just do one versus two. You know what I Follow do? the rankings for once. You know what I would do? This Now, this is what I actually would do because, if I'm not mistaken, Moraes did lose his last fight. Oh, I'll put Jose Aldo in there. Well, I was, this is where I'm going with this. I think you can do that. Okay. And I think you can put Jose Aldo against uh, Peter Yan. Yeah, number, uh, currently number three ranked, yep. according to USA.com. Winner of that takes on the winner of Sterling and Sandhagen. Sure. And then those two fight for the belt. Okay. Done. It's a, it's, it's a done deal after that. You don't have to worry about setting it. You just do a mini tournament. Sure. And you, you can do that. Sure. If you really want to go and push that to where you have a, a fully set up championship fight and it makes sense, mm. that's the one you do. Because, like I said, San Hagen against Sterling, okay, with fights already booked, so you can do that. Yeah. I'm sure, well, the only thing is with travel restrictions, yeah. I don't know about Jose Aldo, what you can do with him. Right. If you wanted to plug Moreas back in uh, against Yan, I, like I say, 
I'm not nothing as Maria's. I'm not hating on him at all. I'm just saying I don't know exactly if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. I just think that it doesn't make a ton of sense at this point. Sure. To really rush him back into a title thing. Cause like I said, if, if I'm not mistaken, he did lose to Cejudo. Mm. So that being said, it's like, I don't know how you can run him in. I do know, like I said, he did lose his last fight. Okay. Memory is serving me right. And I'm checking this as we're talking right now. No, he did lose to Cejudo. He did win against Jose Aldo. It was a, uh, it was a split decision. Okay. Okay. That, Cause that's what caused Aldo to drop down. Right. But that being said, it's like you could put him in there, sure, but he just had a title shot. Mm. I, like I say, there's a lot of different ways you can go, but I think if I have to put anybody in there, Peter Yan has been the one waiting to go in there. Right. So that being said, it makes a lot of sense to see him get in there and really see what he can do. And then after that, you know, if you want to do Yan versus Sterling, you mm. can, you, or the winner of Sterling and San Egan, you can do that. Mm-hmm. But I, like I say, for Fighter Island, you really got to start stacking up some fights. We haven't really seen that. The Figueroa and Benavidez fight, that's locked in as long as uh, Figueroa can make weight because that was what cost him last time. Yeah, that yeah that happens. So if they want to run that back for the flyweight title, okay, fine. I get it. Yeah. But as far as your other divisions, everybody's been super quiet. Everybody really has been making noise. The only one we know is Habib is locked and loaded for September. Habib is still training. Yes. Which is frightening. Well, he, he's and we're keeping the best thoughts out for him and his family right yes. now too with COVID. Yes. He's still training. He's locked in for Justin Gaethje. That fight's going down in September. Win, lose, or draw. Like that. That is one thing you can say for certain. As long as nobody gets hurt. So you could knock over a bowl of sugar in his kitchen, and he wouldn't blink from his training. Right. And I know they just announced Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier. Okay, that's coming down. So there is some movement in the lightweight division. So their division's more or less tied up. Haven't heard too much about Adesanya against Paulo Costa. Right. I know that fight's eventually coming. Right. Haven't heard any any idea when. And then, like I said, John Jones has been tied up with Francis Ngannou. He threatened to retire. He tried pulling out Conor McGregor. Mm. He's fighting for more money. So, But either way, the only division that's going to be doing some movement, in my opinion, in the next month is that welterweight division. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of like... In a standstill, the bantamweight you can definitely move. Oh yeah, but the one that's really going to move that needle right now is welterweight. So yeah, like I say, and you know what? If you want to do smart money, book them on the same card: Usman and Masvidal, McGregor and Diaz. Yes, and then guess what? Sold. Winners fight each other. How easy is this for matchmaking? That is the question I pose to you. But I will say this: if Gilbert Burns gets in there and gets that win, I don't doubt him leapfrogging somebody. Oh, I don't either. I could definitely see it happening. And I'll even say this. I wouldn't doubt that he gets Masvidal. Mm, okay. I'll even throw that at you as a wild pick. Just just give me Diaz McGregor 3 and I'm happy. Well, that's the fight that should happen. Like you don't even got to you don't even got to advertise anything else on the card. You just got to, you know, cut like a, a compilation video of like their antics and their two fights and you you sold the card. Right. That's all you need. Just get them <laughs> in an unrestricted lock, location. Lock them in a room with water bottles, and I'm, and I'm happy. Exactly. Because that's what we're going to have with Fighter Island. Because not no disrespect from UFC 250, which we will be previewing. Yeah. But after that, it's gonna get wild. the books are wide open. And it's anybody's guess who's going to be the first one to step up to the plate. I am saying these are our predictions, and I'm already saying welterweight division is going to go hard the next month. Very, very hard. Because you have six fighters, essentially, that can make and headline any show. Mm-hmm. It's the hot division right now. Yeah. A couple of years ago, it was light heavyweight. Now it's welterweight. Right. So now it's anybody's guess what they're going to wind up doing. And it all starts this Saturday with Gilbert Burns and Tyrone Woodley. 
So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. ODPH. We threw you a ton of fight predictions. What's your takes? Who do you think should be headlining the next fighter island? Who do you think is going to win this weekend between Woodley and Burns? Should they get the announcer from Mortal Kombat to announce the darn thing? If you say anything but yes, you're wrong. Correct. Very, very correct. We gave you some UFC talk. Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? Yes. Well, I am. Are you ready to bring on the weird? Did you did you just make a will I am joke? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> nice. I'll allow it. Anyway, we're just a couple of harmless guys digging into weird things we don't know much about. We're just trying to figure out what the hell is happening in the world outside our homes. Do we get things wrong? Without a doubt. Are we learning from those mistakes? Not anytime soon. Are you entertained by the crap we're talking about? Of course. That's why I always listen to the show. You listen? All right. What, what do you like to listen to about the show? I like aliens, conspiracies, cryptids, NWO, shadow government, you name it. What? Oh, hold on. Do the aliens come from inside the Earth instead of interstellar travel? What made the conspiracy start? Why did that cryptid evolve to do the things it does? Who runs this NWO? Listen in as we dive into all manners of subjects as we bring on the weird. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can listen to clips of our episodes on our YouTube channel. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, this is Vince the Cowman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And, Pad, let us talk some wrestling. Wrestling! Yes, and I will have to say, we deep-dived into this on the wrestling show on the 3FN Network. So you can go to 3 Fat Nerds Podcast. You can check out the show. It is out right now, actually, because Rich did an early release. And we really broke down this card. But, Pat, I know you're not the biggest fan of AEW. Nope. But I will have to say this. You would have actually been really impressed with this show. Oh, really? I think you would have. In my opinion, knowing you as well as I do, uh-huh. you have, or yeah, I almost said UFC. Because <laughs> it's almost like with the UFC, they have so much action going on in Florida. So does the land of professional wrestling. And AEW had nothing less going on this weekend. Sure. They had their double or nothing pay per view taking place from Jacksonville, mm-hmm. where they were doing a stadium stampede match from the TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. Where and if Jacksonville- you're not, I'll say if you're not familiar with the name, it's where the Jaguars play. Right. Well, the owner's uh, son, Tony Khan, yep. is uh, the owner of AEW. So yep. that was a no-brainer, and they were setting up where they usually do in front of Dolly's place down there um, where they have their bouts, and they, they really are taking full advantage of being allowed to be an essential worker mm. doing the land of pro wrestling. But with this fight card, I will break. We'll do the results and kind of break down what happened and go and with everything going on with AEW because usually we come on here and – I will admit, I like to see a lot more from them. Yeah. And I think, well, let me ask you before we get started here. Sure. What has been the biggest deterrent for you from AEW? Um, I think just kind of the, for one, 
the whole back and forth with, you know, oh, we're an alternative to WWE, but we want to stick it to Vince. Give me a clear and concise message here. Also, first impressions are hard to to change. And it, while, you know, All In was a great pay-per-view, it wasn't an AEW pay-per-view. You know, All Out or whatever it was where Moxley debuted, I yeah. think which was like a year ago, uh, was, was an okay pay-per-view. Just the mistakes where... You had the one, you know, battle battle royale uh, pre-show thing on whatever card it was where you're doing the WWE Royal Rumble countdown. You got it on the big old Titan Tron. You got the fans counting down and you hit the you hit zero. The bell or buzzer goes off and your camera cuts to the entrance and nobody's coming out. Yeah. To somebody went. I forget who it was. Somebody went to hit the equivalent of like a six one nine from Mysterio, like Ray Mysterio would hit. I was like a variation of it or something. And yeah, hard cut to somebody else. Like just some of the mistakes and some of the just stuff that just made it hard to watch. No, that's a fair statement. And obviously, this is where I want to get the interaction with you about because I have actually been watching AEW. Okay, and I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I really do. I think. They do have no clear-cut, concisive voice. Mm-hmm. I think it's Team Cody and Team Kenny Omega. Yeah. And nobody is on the same page as in the quote-unquote front office of all the executive vice presidents that are allegedly involved with AEW, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think their production work, as far as cameras go, a lot to be desired. Sure. It has gotten better. I will say that, but still, a lot left on the table. Oh, yeah. And another thing is that they haven't really set up a lot of storylines and a lot of things that as a wwe fan you can compare and contrast to but at least things make more sense mm-hmm. whereas i think aew comes off looking like a very super independent pro wrestling organization not that that's a bad thing right but what is your message like pat is trying to say are you trying to tell the stories and do the storylines or are you just trying to go out there and have matches so this card though i will say i thought they told more than they have before, and I thought they really kicked it off very well. They they started off with best friends versus private party, uh, great match to kick off the show with. Uh, well, they did take a lot of head bumps, which I was a little skeptical of. Sure, but I thought it was a strong win for best friends. So now they're considered their number one tag team uh, contenders for the mm. belts. So whatever happens from here is up in the air. Next up is their we'll call it the Rumble in the Bank, right? The Royal Money, I don't whatever you want to define it. it yeah, was, it was the casino ladder match, right? So, do you have the list of combatants? Yes, uh, that was between Colt Cabana, Darby Allen, Frankie Kazarian, Joey Janela, Kip Sabian, Luchasaurus, Orange Cassidy, Scorpio Sky, and of course, there was a mysterious ninth man that was going to enter the matchup. I think we brought up on last week's show. Odd as it was that we didn't know who the ninth man was, we may not even have even found out who the ninth man was because there was every possibility this match could have ended before the ninth person even entered the damn thing. Uh, didn't have to worry about that because the ninth man ended up winning this thing. It was one Brian Cage. Yes. Now, this one was a very good match. I will say for a ladders involved, mm. it definitely hit some crazy spots. Uh, when Brian Cage came out through everybody, including me, for a loop, because I thought it was very publicly known that his wife, Melissa Santos, said original reports when he signed in January yeah. were false. Like okay. the, the tweets are out there. Sure. So to see him come out with Taz as his manager, I marked out. I mean, we were on the live Twitch stream talking about it. And I was completely blown away by him in this match. Like he looked great. He looked like the big monster that he is. 
And I will say the scariest moment of this match, and I was telling you off air about this because I want your genuine reaction to this on air. Yeah. What is my biggest gripe with Darby Allen? Do you remember? No, not offhand. Okay, the kid has got all the potential in the world. He has that cult Austin-like anti-hero character about him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes the most unsafe bumps in all of wrestling. I am convinced of this. Right. Did he fail me on this match? Probably not. Do you remember at WrestleMania when Jeff Hardy set up that 20-foot-high ladder outside of the ring? Oh, God, yeah, the, the one where they returned. Yeah, pretty much. He's done it a couple times, and he jumped off it. Oh, no, that one. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe it was a couple of WrestleMania's ago. He always has a crazy ladder spot. Yeah, yeah, he always yeah, does yeah. a senton flip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to paint this picture for you. So there is a very high ladder outside of the ring. I want to say it's about 15, 20 feet. Mm-hmm. Darby has a wrestler propped up on another ladder that's going horizontal mm-hmm. from the apron to the rail. He gets up on the top of the vertical ladder. Okay. With skateboard in hand. Jesus. And jumps off trying to put the skateboard through him to like land a trick. Mm-hmm. I swear to you, I thought his leg was broken. Oh, uh, I, I believe it. It did not look good coming down on his left leg. It was not a safe spot. And Darby is not exactly a super fragile human being. Sure. But the body gives out eventually. And he did not look right the rest of the match. As far as I could tell, he luckily doesn't have any broken bones that we know of. Mm-hmm. But my God, man, <laughs> the kid's going to be out of business in, yeah. in, a, in within the next five years at this pace. I like the kid. Don't get me wrong. But he just wrestles at such a, a breakneck pace, literally, mm-hmm. that he's going to wind up breaking his neck. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to see it. Like, I understand that's how he's getting over, but he's got to be more safer in the ring. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the match, not to dwell upon it, because it was a really good match. And Brian Cage looked like a million bucks. Joey, Joey Janela finally returned. They gave him screen time. And guess what? He fully ran with it, looking like the macho man drinking a whole pot of coffee. I was going to say, you got to use what they give him at this point, because from what I understand, he's barely been on. He's Yeah, that's another thing, too. They, they have not done a great job with their roster about yeah. shifting people on and off sure. TV. I know they run a lot of their program off, programming off YouTube. Right. Which... It's kind of like WWE. Yeah, you got main event, and yeah, you got whatever else they do, but you got to go to Hulu to find the darn thing. Yeah, that's the thing about it. And a lot of stuff they don't incorporate enough with. Yeah. So you have to figure they're trying to catch the casual fan, or are you going to get the diehard AEW Well, it fan? wasn't one of their things they came out saying when they announced it was like, okay, you might see some of the same faces for a little bit, but like we'll be able to cycle people in and out. Yeah. And that really hasn't happened. They haven't done a good job of that. So for Janela to finally get some screen time to go crazy and do what Joey Janela does best, yeah, perfectly fine. Yeah, you have to. Yes. So at the end of the day, though, Brian Cage does win the chip briefcase mm-hmm. that was hanging in the ring. It has already been announced that he will be taking on the AEW champion mm-hmm. at Fighter Fest. Okay. So there's no suspense of money in the bank. Sure. I will say for having a live crowd I of wrestlers and friends that yeah. have been flooding um, AEW, they were behind on the chance because they did the countdown with a big clock. Sure. But n- you know how you usually go, 10, 9, yeah. nothing. Crickets. Oh, boo. Yeah. Boo. I know that the, yeah, they have one job. Yeah, they have definitely helped out with sure. you know, the crowds being sure. there. And sure. I know for an empty arena they had it, but just kind of missed the point. 
And for record pad at the break, I'm going to show you the bump because I CBS Sports does have a link up for the bump. Oh boy! So I'm going to definitely show you that. Oh boy! Next up, though, uh, you had Cody or excuse me, MJF taking on Jungle Boy, uh, who MJF defeated Jungle Boy by a pinfall. MJF is their best heel. Yup. He's a personal friend of Pads. I said, yeah, he did insult me at an Excite Wrestling show once. He said something funny. I laughed, and he goes, "What are you laughing at, Fat Boy?" Yes. So him and Pat are very close friends, so we're always rooting for MJF here. It might be might be on tape uh, with Excite Wrestling someplace. Uh, yeah, independentwrestling.tv. Oh, there we I, go. I think so. I think it, it was I was within the last couple of years, so it was recorded. It's just a matter of where it is. Yeah, so eventually it's going to be on the Excite vaults there. Mm-hmm. But MJF, he wins, and it was a really good match, I have to say. I was not mad about this match. Um, I thought it went maybe just a hair too long. I figured he did something good just because when I woke up the next morning, uh, I did see the hashtag MJF is AEW on my Twitter. Yeah, he definitely. So looked, I knew he did something. Yeah, he was a typical MJF match, but that's not a bad thing. No. So, next up, uh, you had Cody Rhodes taking on Lance Archer to be the inaugural holder of the AEW TNT Championship match or title, I should say. Okay. Mike Tyson was presenting the winner with the belt. Okay. I just want to say this too. Mike Tyson stole this match. In I, my I am Mike Tyson. Yes, he was. Uh, he was being a fan in the crowd. At one point, they caught him yawning. Yeah. So about saw, that, saw that. Saw that gif. But overall, which, this, I, which I want to point out, somebody in the production truck, a.k.a. producer, called that shot, which I realize, you know, in, in the, not not the best timing, but should have seen it coming. Yeah. That, like I say, the production issues are well documented on all the hashtags, some podcast shows. Mm-hmm. But this match actually was really good. I know they've been driving this feud down our throats. Yeah. Um, was not a bad match. Like I say, probably one of the better ones on the card. Which I'll say I, I do know people were shitting all over the title design. All right, so let's talk about this. The title apparently was not finished. Which, why you would bring out a title that's not finished is beyond me. Well, they were saying they couldn't finish because of COVID, the place making it shut down. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I, but so, so my point still holds. Don't bring the damn thing out. Explain what's going on. And I guarantee you the percentage of people that will hate you for that is very small. Yeah. If, if you come out and say, hey, we know they're supposed to be handing out the belt right now, but because of everything going on, we don't have it finished right now. Some people will be like, oh, that's a bullshit reason. You should still have it finished. You're a multi-million dollar company, blah, 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 you know, whatever. But the majority of people, I feel, would have gone, okay. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, like I say, that's that's what they was the alleged rumor. Because in the, gra- cause the grand, grand scheme of things, with everything going on and as crazy as everything is and trying to get stuff reopened and shut down and whatever else, worrying about a new title getting designed is kind of low on the list. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was. And it was another thing that, like, when they brought that belt out, like, I they caught us on the live Twitch stream. We were going... Is this it? Yeah, because it looked it looked bad. Well, and I know people. There was a, th- a post on the Squared Circle subreddit. Uh, shout out to those guys, which is where I saw saw the initial design, and it was a clip from I want to say around the time Cody and them first announced AEW, and they were at a presser or a com or a convention or something, and and they were real. No, you know what? It was it was recently or something, and they were ragging on the twenty four seven title and just how stupid it looks and this and that. And it was Cody and somebody else on the on the stage, and Cody went, and you know what? Our titles aren't gonna uh, designs aren't gonna suck. And then it cut to a photo of him holding the belt, and the curb your enthusiasm music started playing. Oh, jeez. Uh huh. Which I was like, oh, that is bad. Yeah. No, it definitely was not a good looking belt, but it was a great match though between Cody and Archer. That's Ex- good. Except the ending kind of went a little too long. Sure. And I'll say, uh, according to ProFightDB.com. 
uh, match did last uh, just over 21 minutes. Right, but it just seemed like they, they could have wrapped it up. The ending was a little... I'll say this, longest match of the night that didn't involve nine people. Yeah. So... Well, Cody's got to get his time in. Yeah. So, like I said, wasn't that upset about it, but like I said, the ending could have been a little better. Mm-hmm. But you have a new TNT champion, so I don't know where they're going to go with that. We're going to hear some more this week on Dynamite, so stay tuned for that. Yep. Next up. Uh, after that, you had Chris Statlander taking on Penelope Ford, uh, where Chris Statlander uh, won. I will say this. For AEW's women's division, mm-hmm. they stood out this entire card. That's good. They had because I know that's one of the. I know you say that's one of the, like the drawbacks they have. Yeah, because they. If you take a look at other organizations like the WWE and Impact, mm-hmm. they have fantastic women's divisions. Oh yeah, they steal the show every night. For AEW coming out of the gate, the expectations were high, and sure. they. It just seems like they haven't met that. Yeah. That. For whatever reason, they they just they're very inconsistent about their matches and their storyline setups. I know Britt Baker was supposed to be involved in this match, right? But then she has a leg injury where it really depends on where, who you hear it from, how long she's out for. Right? Could be two weeks, could be two months, could be too much time to uh-huh. say the least. So Penelope Ford was a late add-in sure. for this match, and for having really little time to set this match up. They look good. That's good. This was a great performance. Like, they really so sold the story. So you figure they had, what, a couple of days to get everything figured out what they were going to do? Yeah, and they really pulled it off, too. I mean, the timing was off for a little bit. Sure. Which, that's expected. That's expected. So I, I don't hold it against them about this. I really thought Penelope Ford had her best match I've seen, period. Mm, sure. And Chris Statlander was a very highly sought-after free agent before she signed with AEW, so... Knew what to expect out of here. Really want to see them run it back, mm-hmm. but all about this. So I thought they looked very, very impressive. They looked very good in this match. Yeah. So I was sold on this. I was really happy to see that. That's good. Uh, after that, you had Dustin Rhodes defeat Sean Spears in four minutes and seven seconds. Okay. I really don't have a great about this. This was kind of a really thrown together filler match. Let's say it felt just looking at not having seen the card and just looking at the time durations. Yeah, that's that's a thrown together. Well, they've been trying to run these vignettes with Sean Spears doing the Randy Orton RNN gimmick. Oh, wow, okay. Where he allegedly was saying that Dustin retired and Cody, it's Cody's fault, and you know if that was my brother, I would have stopped the match. That Lance Archer, be, you know, really put the whooping on mm-hmm. Dustin. So they set it up where he came out and Spears was in a full suit and was saying, you know, Dustin's not here. And they played his music, so they did the fake out, right? Then you know, he told the referee to start counting to 10, and then all of a sudden the music kicks back in. Brandy Rhodes comes down, and then Dustin comes from behind. Like You don't see him come through the crowd. It's, the camera works a little off. Sure. And then they get weird. Okay. Because Dustin comes in, starts beating him, you know, silly. And then I, I will quote this directly from mm. the CBS article because I will try to paraphrase this. Not happening. Spears was eventually stripped to his underwear, socks, and socks garters before having his bare butt spanked. Jesus The camera zoomed in on Spears' crotch to reveal a picture of Tully Blanchard on the underwear. Right at the crotch. I added that part. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so like I said, this was... You want to know why I don't watch AEW? This. Yeah, like this was supposed to be comedy, but this was stupid. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, th- this is dumb. Yeah, this this was our break. In fact, I think I got up and walked. I can't even remember. Like, this was just bad. And, yeah. I, and for Sean Spears, the whole reason you left WWE was you're being underutilized. and You just got beaten in four minutes and seven seconds, and you had your ass spanked on national television. Yeah, I mean, the guy has got talent, and I just... 
I don't know. Like I said, this just did nothing for me, and, and I just like for where he was in WWE to now in AEW, it's like I really want to see him do more. Mm. So I just I'm, I'm optimistic for something better for mm. him. But this was not a good showing yeah. at all. Uh, after that, you had a no countout, no disqualification match for the AEW Women's Championship, uh, with Nyla Rose defending her belt against Hikaru Shida, and Hikaru Shida defeated Nyla Rose to become your new AEW Women's Championship. This, or, excuse me, champion. This was tied for my best match of the night. Okay, I love the ladder match, but this was the pinnacle of what I've been waiting to see from AEW and their women's division. Rose and Shida beat the absolute hell out of each other. They fully took advantage of the no disqualification. You saw kendo sticks. You saw everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. And this just completely was what you wanted to see. A knockdown drag-out brawl. Brawl. That's good. Involving everything. They had the giant poker chips. For sure. That got brought into it. And then you... <laughs> well, you well, you know when it's a no count-out, no disqualification match, it's going to get nuts. Yeah. So I completely loved how they did this. And this is what you wanted to see. And this is, even from the crazy Falcon Arrow... Mm-hmm. That, that happened off the top rope, which I still was freaking out about. Yeah. Uh, like, everything about this was so spot on. And just Sheeta's never-say-die attitude, taking down Nyla Rose, who's been such a dominant champion. Love this. Love this, love this, love this. Could not speak more highly of this match. So, like I say, it was good for AEW's women's division. Like, I think they really won the night. That's good. So next up uh, was for the AEW World Championship with John Moxley defending his belt against the uh, Brody Lee, uh, and Moxley retained his belt. Okay, so this one I I liked, mm-hmm. but I didn't like. Okay, and maybe it's because it was leaked out on Reddit that footage of this was actually recorded and on a certain YouTube channel. Really? When they were rehearsing. Because really? somebody was testing out the equipment and didn't realize it was on. It was quickly taken off, but you know how Reddit, Reddit finds it. Yeah. Well, luckily, we didn't see the finish. Okay. So I was happy about that because I was like, oh, please tell me this is not how this is going to end because I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. The match itself was very good. The story to set it up has been very mixed. A lot of Brody Lee's character is a, is basically he's Vince McMahon. Yeah. He'll tell you otherwise, but don't get it twisted. The writing is right there on the wall. So this match was very physical, very back and forth. And the ending, it ended with Moxley trying to put like a weird uh, Taz mission, Kahita Clutch, yeah. the Samoa Joe does, yeah. on him to make him like tap out. Didn't really get it all done. Like he was hitting enough of his. Um, uh, I forget what they call it, uh, a paradigm shift. Oh, yeah, his, his, his dirty deeds. Dirty deeds, yeah. Yeah, he was hitting that. He hit him with a bunch of them. They actually did the spot where they fell through the entryway, like Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow way back in ECW. I think I saw the clip of that, yeah. Yeah, so the fact that they did a chokeout ending, I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, th- I thought it could have been a little stronger. Yeah. And I, and I think it could have been a little better. Like we like I said, we touched upon this on the wrestling show. Um. You know, just more thinking about it. And now where do you go with Brody? Right. And I've already said, I think that for his character, you have to put him in a program with Cody. Sure. For the TNT title. Sure. Because otherwise, you just wasted another big debut. Yep. And where do you go from there? I don't know. Like I say. It's hard to figure out sometimes with them. Yeah, it is. But for Moxley, he looked good. And like I say, I have to echo the statements we were talking with Rich this morning about, too. It was just that ending just with the choke out. Yeah. Just not needed. Not could have been better. Yeah. But to close out the show, because that was not the main event. Nope. The main event was the stadium stampede match between Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Matt Hardy, 
Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson taking on Chris Jericho, Jack Hager, uh, Ortiz, and Santana, plus Sammy Guevara with the team of, I'll just call them the Elite because I'm not reading all those names again, uh, mm-hmm. coming out victorious. Yeah, this one was their version of trying to do the Boneyard match from WrestleMania. Sure. The cinematic match is currently the flavor of the week sure. in the pro wrestling. Sure. And this one, they took full advantage of running around Jacksonville's stadium. Uh, they came out, the elite or the inner circle was wearing football jerseys. Okay. And then they had a ring set up in the 50-yard line. and Because LOL, they actually didn't need it. Yeah, and they kind of just went all over the stadium. You had uh, Adam Page made his big debut riding a horse, chasing after Sammy Guevara. They had a cool little bar spot with him and mm-hmm. you know him doing his quote-unquote cowboy shit. One thing I was telling you about that they took full advantage of the I guess uh, pool or hot tub. Yeah, they got they got like this fancy luxury luxury seating area where it's like kind of like uh, Arizona has in their baseball stadium out in right center field where there's a pool and a hot tub where like if you if you pay enough money or whatever and you're lucky enough to get in there, you can watch a baseball game from a pool, which sounds awesome. Mm. But uh, kind of high up in the stadium in Jacksonville, they've got like a pool hot tub area where you can watch a football game from, which sounds equally awesome. Yeah, so they had Santana Ortiz up there, and they were uh, cho- trying to drown Matt Hardy. God. And then every time he put him under, like they had a camera underneath too. Yeah. So you could see him, and you could see the metamorphosis. He was oh, going through all his different Matt Hardy characters. Oh, God. So that was, I mean, it's it's funny but it was like, all right, really? Yeah. And it was just, I know when anytime you have the creator of the Hardy Compound series, yeah, you know that he's going to try doing some stuff there. And it was a funny bit. I'm not going to sure. say it wasn't. It was sure. definitely very amusing. And it placated to the absolute silliness of this role. Because, like, you, you can't even say this was, like, a real wrestling match. Mm-hmm. It was just they're out there having fun. Yeah. And that was prime example. Like, the one time you come up from the water, he'd be back to Junko wearing original Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. And then you go back under and be version one. And then you come yeah. back up and be broken. And, you know, like I say, it was a funny little spot. And they also had a couple of different ones, too. They had Matt Jackson, who had a broken rib, doing from goalpost to goalpost northern light suplexes. <laughs> Which was just yeah, that just sounds ridiculous. It was yeah, it was over the top ridiculous. Chris Jericho got red carded or red flagged, <laughs> yeah, and uh, by the referee, and yeah. it was like it was just like they did a bunch of hokey nonsense, which yeah, I get, but for a company that didn't want to do hokiness, yeah, you know, give take, yeah, but it definitely served the purpose for what they wanted to do, and it ended with Sammy Guevara being the recipient of a very crazy looking one winged angel from Kenny Omega from where. The cameraman is usually set up yeah. for field goals. Okay, for Jacksonville from yeah, that yeah, ledge yeah. right to the ground. Oh, well, they had like uh, Jesus. They had a padding he came down on. So it's still, not like that's still that's a drop. Oh yeah, the one camera angle of it, it looks impressive. Like it looked really impressive. So the elite wins. Drive home safe. Overall, like I have to say, it was a really good show. And like I say, I, there's certain things I can nitpick about and just mm-hmm. really critique it. And like I say. If you hear the, we really deep dived into it a little bit more on 3FNW this week. Right. But I have to agree with Rich. I think, like, how they ended the Moxley match was a little over the top unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, with all the, the hokiness of the ending, I think it just kind of summed up what they were trying to do, and that was make a fun product for the fans. Mm-hmm. And especially, they did have fans at the stadium, like, depending on what you wanted to find it as. Yeah. You know, WWE had theirs on Monday night, which. I don't know if you saw they had NXT yeah, wrestlers did. in the crowd. Yeah, that, I like, and I re- there was a report earlier that day that they said they were going to have uh, NXT wrestlers and performance center trainees in the crowd. I'm like, oh, that should be interesting. I wonder how this is going to work. 
because uh, I figured it's big enough they can be distant and, and all this. Was not expecting the plexiglass. That that threw me for a second. I was like, I'm like, okay, here we go. We're gonna see. They did the Memorial Day tribute for all those who've given their lives in service. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're gonna see the wrestlers, and holy shit, that's plexiglass. Yeah. So I thought what, how they did it was a perfect way of doing the fan crowds. I yeah. know how AEW's been doing it. I I don't. F- knock them for doing it at all sure i think you'll actually see more of the wwe blueprint moving forward though could be i I think you will and like i say for overall AEW really had a great weekend i I can't really knock this pay-per-view that much there's like i said the minor stuff with the endings Mm -hmm. and like i say if you really want to hear more of a deep take on it head on over to three fenders podcast check out what rich and i were talking about uh breaking down the entire card because we really deep dived into it but overall, AEW took a step in the right direction. We're going to hear more about Fighter Fest, and they did announce their next pay-per-view is going to be all out again. Okay. Rumored to be in September, Labor Day weekend again. Sure. And I think they said they're trying for Chicago. Still tentative. Yeah, yeah. Subject to change. But overall, AEW, I got to say, tip my hat to them, had a really good weekend. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What did you think of all Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing pay-per-view? And if you want to deep dive a little more in that wrestling content, head on over to 3FNW. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, friends. We're the girls at Unpredictably Us Podcast. I'm Athena. And I'm Christy. We're two friends that are running through life's unpredictable obstacles to see how well we achieve or fail those crazy moments. We know a life without some living in it won't provide a story worth telling. So grab some coffee, maybe wine, and buckle up because we're going on another adventure. You can sit with us on Wednesday. Welcome to Unpredictably As Podcast. <laughs> Two, three, four. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And as far as the local minute goes, you know how we stay here at the ODPH. Support local, support your mm-hmm. local business, support your local sports teams, yep. and support your local artists. Because with everything going on right now, it's really too early to tell when things are going to get back to the quote-unquote basics. But support them as much as you can. And obviously head on over to the ODPH directory on ochodoraparleyhour.com. Check out Johnny Moose and company at Excite Wrestling. So for rounding the bases this week, we decided to end with a little better note for baseball because okay. baseball we might not see again. And a lot of the social media we've been reading, uh, yeah, pointing in that direction. It's pointing in that direction, so we figured we'd end on a on a high note. Sure. So, Pad, why don't you take us home here? So I saw a post on Facebook from the uh, page MLB Memes, uh, which highly recommend if you're a baseball fan, follow if you're not already, full of funny stuff. Posed a question today that I thought was very interesting, and arguably one of the, you know, one of the things I like with the pandemic going on is the pick one, top, you know, only three can survive, you know, with movies, video games, athletes, and what have you. Uh, but this one was probably in most instances, especially the movies, it's, it's easy for me to pick or, you know, if they give you a list of like nine, oh, only pick three. It's for me, it's usually pretty easy. Sure. This one though was probably the toughest one I've ever seen. And that was, they posed the question, which record is unbreakable? And this is for baseball, uh, all time home runners record, which they put bonds at 762 or Hank Aaron, 755, depending on which way you go. Uh, Pete Rose's. All-time hits record of 4,256. Uh, Nolan Ryan's all-time strikeouts uh, of 5,714. Or Mariano Rivera's all-time saves of 652. Which one is unbreakable? 
All right. Um, my pick would be Nolan Ryan strikeouts. That's a, that's a good choice. Uh, just because I was looking, uh, according to BaseballReference.com, of course, Nolan Ryan is the leader with the 5,714, as I mentioned. Next closest gentleman who is still actively pitching is one Justin Verlander, who is currently in 18th place uh, at 3,006 strikeouts, uh, respectively. So, And he's 36 years old, so the odds of him getting another... 2700 strikeouts not likely uh it's gonna be a tough one to do just because you go down the list and it's it's a ways before you see anybody of a because the thing of it is is there's guys on the list who are still active you know jay haps on here with you know about 1500 and whatnot but it's a fair ways down the list before you find somebody who's like got a decent amount of strikeouts still young just because pitchers don't pitch as often or as long as they used to, they don't get as many strikeouts as they used to. And also with, you know, saber metrics and the, and the technology these days, it's a lot harder to get some of these batters out. Yeah. You it, know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's just, the game has evolved so much that for a lot of those records, mm-hmm. it's going to be increasingly tough to go. I mean, yeah. especially now pitchers don't pitch as long as they used to no yeah Arm, yeah arms are more disposable in, yeah. in my opinion yeah they are um home runs i mean home runs is tough home runs i think might be the one that is close to get broken uh yeah so of course depending on how you look at it uh bonds as 762 or if you consider hank aaron uh 755 uh the next closest gentleman is albert Pujols, who has is in sixth place right now uh with 656 home runs However, he's 39 years old. Right. Uh, odds of him getting another 107 home runs, not likely. You know, unless he goes on some miraculous tear in you know the next three yeah, next might. three years, and then I'm calling BS because that'll be weird. Yeah. You know, after that, I would say the next closest person you have to look at might do it, but again, they'd have to go on a tear. You've got uh, Nolan Arenado of the Colorado Rockies, who is 28 years old, has 227 home runs, so maybe, but to me, he's never been a home run hitter. Uh, The one I'm kind of looking at that, to me, is kind of like the they got everything there in terms of being able to do it is Bryce Harper. Uh, Currently uh, tied for 300th with a couple other players, uh, both retired and still playing. Uh, He's 26 years old, and he has 219 home runs. So he's got if, – if now this season, if they play, it's going to be hard to do. But I think if he keeps up a good pace, if he stays healthy and he, and he plays long enough, he might be able to do it. He's played what, one year in Philly? Uh, correct. So he has 12 more seasons to go. Yep. Depending on what happens this season and depending on how they yep. they, they look at that with baseball. Yep. Uh, I would say barring any other big home run hitter coming to Philly mm-hmm. – Harper should be close. I'll say his high watermark uh, was in 2015 with the Washington Nationals, where he hit 42 home runs. Uh, he's been pretty consistent outside. You know, there was the, uh, one year where he didn't. He only played 100 games, where he only hit 13 home runs. But he's been pretty consistent of like at least 20 or more. Uh, last year with the Phillies, he hit 35. So I'd say if he keeps at that pace, maybe hits a few more every couple of years, he will be close. Yeah, Philly's a home run hitter's park. Oh, so yeah. yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I mean the only other place unless he was going to get traded which I'm not starting that rumor. I'm just no. saying Colorado. Colorado, 
possibly Texas, just because Texas is a kind of hitter's friendly park a little bit. Yeah, like if you. If Although that was the old park, the new park, who knows? Yeah, the new park. We're, I, I would say I, I'd wait to see what we get out of Texas for that. But yeah, I would say between Colorado and Philly. I mean, yeah. that's that's the two places. Yeah, uh, the one for me. All of those are are tough, but I think for me the toughest one that will not be broken is got to be Mariano's safe record. So, and now I realize I'm a Yankee fan, so yeah, there's a little bit of hometown bias here. But you just look at the numbers, 652 saves. Trevor Hoffman, number two all-time, 601. The next closest gentleman who's still pitching is Craig Kimbrell, 31 years old, 346 saves. Like, for that to be done, you need somebody, and even, you know, currently with the Yankees, a role as Chapman, 273 saves. Uh, Joaquin Soria, 35 years old, 221 saves. You know... You got to go pretty far down the list to find a to find a guy, you know, like a Roberto Ozuna, who's only been in the league five in the majors five years. He's twenty four years old. He has one hundred and fifty four saves. You pretty much need somebody to pitch, you know, the nineteen years like Mariano did, stay injury free, and and pretty much have the same success he did, and and pretty much be the closer. Which remaining the closer these days isn't as guaranteed as it used to be. You know, a lot of teams like to do the closer by committee. You know, oh, this guy's got a more favorable matchup against these hitters than the other guy does. You know, I don't think it'll be done just because I is, you know, mathematically focused as some of the stuff has gotten with baseball in terms of matchups and statistics and, you know, analytics and all this stuff. And, and I'm fine with that. It is what it is. But just in terms of how much analytics and math has gone into the game, I don't think it'll be done. It's it's tough to say. Yeah, I I would say that one, I like I don't know. You you bring up a good point about the statistic aspect of it because that's how the games has really shifted. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of thought. Yeah, like I like I think you'd have to have somebody really coming up through the minors that can really get with a winning team. Sure, like a, a team that's consistently sure in the playoffs. Because I mean that was one thing with Mariano with the Yankees. Yeah, you into the postseason every year. Yeah, Hoffman. Not so much, but he pitched, I mean, late, late, mm-hmm. late into his years. Yeah. So it's, like I say, it's not all the realm of thought. I mean, I do agree with that. I don't think, I think that one's going to be tough. Yeah. It is possible, but you'd have to get. you got to get the right set of circumstances. Yeah, you'd have to really get somebody young mm-hmm. to be like a phenom, come up when they're like 2021. 20, yeah, and you got to also avoid the Kerry Wood type situation yeah. where their arm blows out. Yeah, that's another situation too, so. Yeah, that, I mean that one. There, there's a lot of variables that got to go into mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but man, I don't. know. The, the one thing about baseball is when they got those stats, they got those stats. Oh yeah. So it's anybody's guess. But mm-hmm. that's about hashtag ODPH. What's your take? What do you think is going to be the last one standing? It's going to be a fun conversation. Let me tell uh-huh. you. So the music you heard at the beginning of this show is that of Fair City Fire. They're friends from Austin, Texas. They are, uh, actually have their own podcast called the Say It Loud Podcast. We just dropped a new episode out. But we're going to be closing the show with an artist that, if you live in the 607, you know who he is. And if not, well, he's going to be appearing on the ODPH at some point when restrictions are lifted. And that is one Tom Jolu. Oh. So you can find out more about him, Second Suitor, who is just featured in the news, too, for Tyler is actually doing a traveling tour locally. If you want to find out about that, you can go web search and check that out. You can also find out about Floodlands, Shout at the Robots, Walking Distance, and all the great music you hear on the ODPH at ochodoropolyhour.com under the music section. Also at the ODPH website, you can check out the ODPH directory. We already talked about Excite Wrestling. Big things going on down there, too. I mean, their YouTube channel's blowing up, and you never know what Johnny Moose is thinking about doing. 
And it's always one thing. He's very, very unpredictable. This is true. But it's always going to be a big announcement whenever he decides to drop something. So you should always just pop in and say, hey. And also on the director, you can find out everything going on with Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, still tearing through Final Fantasy VII, the remake. Cool. Yes, going, doing big things on that. And he wants you to interact on that chat with him. So definitely hit him up on the link. You can find that on the ODPH directory as well. And shout out to all the pod groups that we are in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion of Independent Podcasts. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse community. And shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. And big, big shout outs to the 8122 production team. Rich Ron and Hashtag Big Nanny Cool still on Twitter pad. Oh, boy. Showing no fear. He wants to get that smoke on Twitter. Uh, big things were going on this weekend. We did unveil the 607 Podcast Twitch channel. So cool. twitch.tv slash 607 Podcast. We are doing the live tweet or live stream of AEW's Double or Nothing, but we are not showing the video of the screen. So if anybody's tuning in to see that we're going to be showing that, we're not. If we're doing a live stream, we're giving you our honest feedback right then and there so you get to see us and everything going on in the background, but you're not going to see this show. So sorry if we're bursting some people's bubbles, but we have a lot more content going on down there uh, on the Twitch channel. So definitely want to go check that out and check out everything going on at 8122 Productions. Their Patreon is going strong. Uh, the next episode of I Love Movies is coming out. And Pad, what is Ron doing? What's that? Van Wilder. Ooh, okay. Yes, is one of his favorite movies and mine too. So I'm really excited what Ron's got to do. Ron gives you that real talk when he gives those movies. So it's not for the faint of heart, but it is for the avid listener of movie podcasts. And also on their Patreon, Love is Scary. Oh, boy. Yes, the Dr. Elevidomics is still going strong. Good Lord. Yes, he can't be stopped. He can't be contained. He is, dare I say, an... Fuego. Oh, boy. Oh, throwing that back. How you like that reference? That was good. Thank you. Thank you. So for everything going on with 8122 Productions, head on over to their Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table, and that's all you need to get the party started. And last but certainly not least, on the ODPH webpage, Livestream for the Cure is going down this week, kicking off Wednesday night, 6 p.m., on twitch.tv slash epic film guys shout out to nick and justin and everybody else involved with this event a bunch of amazing podcasts and content creators are teaming up to raise money for the cancer research institute the goal is ten thousand dollars we are going to do our best to get there a lot of content providers are getting on there and really really trying to help raise money for this to build a world hashtag immune to cancer i am super super proud to be a part of this as well as Rich from 3FN and Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. We're going to be on Sunday between 1 and 2 p.m. talking about the worst video game movies of all time. Oh, boy. We have our list, Pad. Okay. And we're talking about games that should have been made into movies instead. Okay. So we're giving the best of both worlds. If you do an early donation and you screenshot it to us, we will read your picks on air. So if you're a podcast out there and you want to get involved with this, well, that's the easiest way to do it. Donation links and more information for Livestream for the Cure. The buttons and links are on the ODPH front page. So head on over to OchoDuralParleyHour.com. Check it out. Share the event. Donate if you can. And let's help kick cancer's ass, shall we? That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time.